Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? Well, I have uh, I have been very sad over the past few days, just like everyone else in our, in our country right now, and just trying to get through this rough time. Yeah, so uh, we, we are go- we're going a little old school here today. It is just, just Mary Kay and I, um, but let's just start there. Obviously, uh, there was the death of George Floyd uh, last week. Um, the officer who had his knee on him was arrested. Uh, we had a weekend of unrest, you know, across the country. Uh, some protests turned violent, looting, things like that. Um, and of course, you know, as you'd expect, a, a lot of Browns players reacted. The Browns released a, dis- released a statement today. We're recording this on Monday. Um, you know, Mary Kay, you and I were both there in 2017 when the Browns kind of took center stage. Um, you know, after the Colin Kaepernick protests, uh, the Browns really um, kind of took some level of ownership of that. You know, we remember the preseason game where uh, a bunch of players huddled uh, in the back. And then, of course, the game in Indianapolis when almost the entire sideline um, knelt after Donald Trump's comments. So um, we, we've been involved in this. Uh, Miles Garrett uh, had a very lengthy response to, to everything that was happening over the weekend. This is kind of where we're at from an NFL perspective, and it's sort of a reminder that the NFL at some point is going to play a significant role in all of this. Yes, absolutely, 100%. And so many of the players have weighed in on it, uh, have have written essays about it, uh, have, have written some very thought-provoking things. Uh, and, and I actually have been uh, you know, very proud of the way that they have handled this whole situation because you've got a lot of these guys really just calling for nonviolent action, for peaceful protests, for, you know, backing up what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do. That was a big message that Miles Garrett sent out there. And they're strike, I think they're striking the right note. I mean, they are calling for action. They are calling for an end to racism, but they're calling to do it in the right way. The Browns did the same thing. And as you mentioned, the Browns were kind of at the forefront. They had players, uh, you know, out riding with police officers and and they were trying to, you know, build some unity between, uh, you know, between the police force and our citizens back when all of this was going on, as you mentioned, in 2017. So I think that uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to carry on through the through the season. I think it's going to be something that we are going to be uh, dealing with on a daily basis because it affects uh, so many players in the NFL 
and so many people everywhere, obviously, in our country. Uh, but I do think that this issue will be at the forefront throughout the season. Yeah, and, and I think also going back, um, I went back today and watched this full, like, five-minute statement from Andrew Hawkins going all the way back to 2014. Um, I, I was actually shocked, like, how long ago it was, because you, you kind of forget. But he wore the, uh, the Justice for Tamir Rice uh, shirt and had a really long statement um, that, that he had in the locker room that week. I went back and watched that video, and I, I tweeted it out today. Uh, and then also our own, our own Troy Smith wrote something today. It was really good. I tweeted that out, too. So, um, you know, you should go read that. And, and when these players, um, you know, the, these are leaders in this community. Um, you know, the, these, are, these are the players that um, this affects, and, and they want to affect change. And uh, certainly, you know, I, I will give a lot of credit to the Haslams. They have been very, um, very open to a lot of the efforts the Browns players. Now, a lot of them have moved on since then, but um, to, to Browns players, I've gotten to be involved in some of the social justice initiatives, kind of following along and, and things like that. So the Haslams have done a, a really good job of, of embracing this, but Look, it's only going to get more complicated, and I think, um, that, you know, the statements we've seen from Browns players so far, uh, you know, it's just a reminder that, you know, here we go again. We're going through all this again. Uh, at, at some point, you know, we, we've got to see real changes happen, and, and I think some of these Browns players are up for embracing that challenge. Yeah, and, you know, I hope that, and I know, that because we know so many of them uh, so well at this point, uh, that they will be part of the solution when they come back to town. I know they will do things in the community to be part of the solution. And I know that the Cleveland Browns will see to it uh, that they do that and they will make sure that there are opportunities for for uh, for bonding and to to end this horrible thing that we have going on in our country after all of these years it just uh is still here rearing its ugly head over and over and over again and so many players have done so many amazing things in the community i know they will continue to do so and uh and hopefully hopefully uh, george floyd didn't die in vain and that some good can come out of this but i 100 percent agree with the players that uh you know that a that nonviolent protests uh, need to be the order of the day and that we should all clear up our corner of the world and do something that we can do to make this a better situation. Right. And, you know, look, we talk about nonviolent protests. We mentioned 2017. We mentioned Colin Kaepernick. Those, those are the sorts of nonviolent protests that, that they're talking about. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully people kind of rethink some reactions to those and, um, you know, Th those players were setting the tone of, of nonviolence. And uh, in, in some ways, it, it was met with a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a lot of not great reaction. So I think people need to understand that's the sort of nonviolent protest that, uh, that people are talking about. Okay, look, this is a football podcast. So let's, let's kind of switch gears here. Uh, like I said, um, there, there are a lot of people that have said a lot of really smart things about this. I, I've tweeted out a couple. Um, go check those out. Um, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot more. Uh, that, that we can really add to the discussion. So let's switch gears then to football and uh, let, let's answer some questions from our football insiders. Uh, Mary Kay, there's always questions about Jadavian Clowney. He was the big story last week. Uh, and from the 216 area code, let's start here. Uh, are there any, is there any chance that Jadavian Clowney changes his mind and, and ends up wanting to come to Cleveland? Well, you know, we need to start from a place of we're not even 100% sure that he didn't want to come to Cleveland. Uh, I've been saying all along that I think if the money were right, that he would be here right now. Uh, 
Uh, I don't think this is a situation where he's looking at this roster and thinking, I don't want to go there. You know, this team has no chance of winning. I don't see that as the case at all. I think he has a certain number in mind. And I think that if the Browns were prepared to meet that number, that he probably would have signed his contract by now. Now, I'm just speaking from having covered the NFL for so many years. That's usually how it works. I mean, unless a team is absolutely in disarray and obviously going nowhere, uh, a guy is going to follow the money a lot of times when he's a free agent. And the fact that he would have an opportunity to play opposite Miles Garrett and also, uh, you know, on a football team that includes Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know, I think anyone can see that there are that there's a lot of talent on this football team and that it has potential. And then you add in a Jadavian Clowney onto that defense and you really have a chance uh, to make some noise and, and try to get to the postseason. So I think it's a money issue. It, it almost always is, right? You, you said that last week. You, you know, money is, uh, money is really the big thing when, when it comes to these negotiations. It almost always comes down to money. Um, you know, Clowney is a guy that we've talked about a lot uh, ever since, you know, the Browns went out in free agency and, and spent money. And they didn't spend a ton of, ton of money on the defensive side of the ball, at least long term. And, and I do wonder if, you know, maybe there's some hesitation on their part to want to give Clowney some sort of long-term deal you know maybe there's a short-term deal to be had a Sheldon Richardson type deal uh something like that or even a one-year prove-it deal uh, but I do wonder if there's some hesitation on their part especially with some bills coming due on that defense in the next few years to give him a a longer deal that would be at the the level of money that he wants yeah I don't know if it's that or if it's the opposite you know I don't know if you know if he wants a one-year deal so that he can get back out there on the market and they would want to wrap him up longer, or if, you know, if they just want to give him a one-year deal and, and let him try to prove it and maybe not have it be $17 million a year, maybe sign him one year for $10 million or $11 million or something like that. I'm not really exactly sure how it's all shaking out yet. It's the information, the inside info has been very hard to come by. Sometimes you can get little things, you know, here and there, you can pick up clues, you can pick up pieces of information. So far, this one has been really, really buttoned down. And, um, and it, it has been tough. Uh, it's, it's especially tough during, you know, this whole uh, COVID situation where we're not out there, you know, we are not interacting with, Brown's players or Brown's front office members or coaches or anything like that. So we're all, you know, behind a computer screen and it's, it's harder. It's a little bit harder to dig things up. So I don't know exactly what the issue is, uh, but I would have to think that he's holding out for the money that he wants from someone, not necessarily even the Browns, right. but from a team that's willing to pay him the about $17 million a year he wants. Did, did you take anything from Joe Woods last week? I mean, he didn't really say anything about Jadavian Clowney. He kind of, you know, he, he referred, of course, like, like you'd expect the question to Andrew Berry. But, did, I mean, did you take any indication from what he said last week? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Uh, when he is willing to come right out and say uh, he's a good player, he's a great pass rusher, and he just really affects the game. So he was willing to say three very complimentary things of Jadavian Clowney in like the first sentence. If you're willing to do that, 
that tells me that you want this player on your football team. Because if you'll notice, I asked him later about Clay Matthews, and he, and he, he just said, you know, I'm going to leave that to Andrew Barry. But he had high praise for Jadavian Clowney, and that kind of confirmed for me uh, the interest that the Browns have in him and that Joe Woods would love to have him. Yeah, and, and you know what? You, you mentioned the whole COVID thing, and we're not at the facility. We're, we're not talking to these guys a lot. That's some of the reading between the lines that, that we're kind of missing out on when we get to talk to a lot of different players and, and a lot of different coaches. But, um, yeah, I, I also thought it was, it was pretty telling that he was a little more open uh, about Clowney than he was, like, like you said, about Matthews. Uh, let's move on and talk about this question from the 937 area code. Um, what starting position are you most concerned with and what position are you most concerned with as far as depth? Um, I'll, I'll start here. I still think linebacker is a, a question mark. You know, it's Mac Wilson right now, Sione Takitaki, BJ Goodson. There's a lot of unproven guys there in that linebacking core. Uh, now we don't really know exactly how Joe Woods wants to deploy that group. He sounded very, you know, he, it sounded like he liked the guys there, but he didn't necessarily commit to anything last week when, when we talked to him. I, I think that's one area that I kind of look at, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm real convinced that group is a strong group on that defense. We'll see. I, there's a lot to prove there. I think that's, that's the point. It's very unproven. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting when in the month of May, almost June, you do have your defensive coordinator readily admitting that those three spots are up for grabs and that he's not even sure how those positions are going to shake out in terms of who is going to be plugged in where. Now, they're versatile, those linebackers. So, you know, you can put Mac Wilson in the middle. You can put him out at weak side. You know, you can do the same thing with Sione Takitaki, B.J. Goodson. So uh, you can kind of mix and match these guys, and they are cross-training. But at this point, they do not know who their starting three are. And part of the reason is, of course, because Joe Woods has never coached these guys before. He's never seen them on the football field. He's never gotten them in an 11-on-11 drill in an OTA, which you can usually find something out in these OTAs. Um, and he probably won't see him in a mini camp before they get to training camp. So therefore, uh, they're just guessing right now. And uh, so I would have to agree with you. That is the position where everything is up for grabs. And really, they don't have a lot of pro film on Sione Takitaki when it comes to playing defense. They just don't. They have a lot on Mac Wilson. They could look at him and say, here's where he needs work on this. Here's what he would need to do. Here's the angle he would, would have needed to take there. Or maybe we would like him better in the middle, whatever. They don't have a lot of data like that on Sione Takitaki. They've got his, mostly, his college film to go off of. So there are a lot of unknowns on the linebacking core. And uh, it's going to be a work in progress midway through training camp. They're still going to be saying, mm-hmm, let's try this. So that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by what Mac Wilson will be in year two. But we just don't know yet. <laughs> we just don't know with him kind of getting thrown out there uh, and possibly taking over that, that green sticker role. Uh, something I know he feels he can do. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things you have to prove you can do it uh, at some point. Now, as far as the depth part of this question, what position are you most concerned with as far as depth? I think I have to stay on the defensive side and maybe go with safety. Uh, you have Carl Joseph. You have Grant Delpit. You signed Andrew Sendejo. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine was a pick last year. But I, I still don't know if I see a ton of depth there, especially because you might have, you know, if there's some growing pains with Delpit or if he takes a little bit of time. 
um, you might find yourself in a little bit of a pinch. So I guess that would be one area where I'd look at and say, I'm not real sure about the depth at that position. Yeah, that, that's a tough one because I think they do have, uh, they have bodies yeah. at almost every position. I mean, they added, you know, Kevin Johnson at cornerback and they added uh, some safeties and they, they added a lot of bodies, but we don't really know exactly how those guys are all going to shake out either. Um, so I don't know. I might almost, I'm intrigued by cornerback a little bit. Uh, I mean, they've got two good starters, obviously, and they've got Terrence Mitchell. They've got, uh, they've got Kevin Johnson to play nickel. Um, but you know, it all depends on how many cornerbacks they're going to play on, on every, on any given down as well. He's talking about transitioning to a dime defense, uh, which means you're going to need a lot of defensive backs. So I'm going to go cornerback just for the sake of something different. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's a good one. Uh, I, I also think, you know, wide receiver is a little sneaky. You know, we're not sure necessarily what's behind the top two. Rashard Higgins is back and we kind of know what he's capable of. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a late round pick. I, I think it's a little unfair to necessarily look at him and say, oh, he's got to be the number three guy right away. Uh, you know, it, it's okay if it takes him a little bit of time. You know, and I and look, I've been banging the drum that I think Kareem Hunt is the, the number three receiver on this team anyway. But I think that's another area where there's some guys kind of behind those top two with a lot to prove. Yeah, you've got, you know, you got Rashard Higgins that, um, that was re-signed. So he obviously wants to come in here and be that third receiver. Uh, you've got Damian Ratley that he wants to come back in here and prove that, you know, that he deserves to be on the field more. And he attended the Camp Made Field down in Austin, Texas, as did Richard Higgins. So once again, it's a place where they have uh, some guys and it's going to be a matter of just who rises to the top. Okay, we have a question about, this is why I love Browns fans and really football fans in general. They, uh, they love to talk about um, undrafted free agents. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm going to admit this. I don't know a ton about these undrafted free agents. Um, I, I'm trying to look through some of the names here, but was there an undrafted free agent name that stood out to you when, when you kind of got that list, Mary Kay, or are you still kind of trying to get to know some of these guys a little bit? Well, for the most part, I am still trying to get to know these guys, but AJ Green kind of stood out to me yeah. uh, in terms of, once again, I, I am interested in the cornerback position. Uh, and he is a cornerback and somebody that could have gotten drafted. And I heard some good things about him. There was a little bit of buzz when he signed with the Browns. So he's somebody I'm looking forward to seeing when they get out on the field. Um, uh, how about this running back from Georgia, uh, Brian Harry? And I, I think that's how you say the last name. Uh, you know, has, has been a backup at Georgia where they produced a lot of running backs. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by him a little bit. There's not a lot of space for him. There's not a lot of touches for a running back on this roster when you've got a fullback already. You've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, of course. But, uh, you know, there's always a guy like, a, you know, one of these running backs who's an undrafted guy that's able to kind of come in and shine a little bit in training camp, like a, a Dearness Johnson, a, a Dontrell Hilliard, guys like that. Uh, so it, it's always worth kind of keeping an eye on those guys because uh, if they can perform well in camp, they might be able to earn a, a role on special teams or on the practice squad for a little bit. And uh, maybe you start to get to see some of these guys as, as the year goes along. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the running backs from, from Georgia and, the, and in the SEC are usually pretty darn good, and you can plug them in. Uh, and it's always good to get a look at some of these guys for down the road, as you mentioned, practice squad guys and things like that. Uh, but I think they're pretty well 
set at running back as we know. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Of course, we're taking these questions from Football Insider, and I'm going to tell you how you can get signed up and also about our Baker Mayfield Zoom call that we're doing with our insiders. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll answer a few more questions. So now let me tell you a little bit about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay, Scott Patsko, and Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And it's your only way to get involved with Texter Tuesday, which of course we do every Tuesday. That's why we call it Texture Tuesday, of course. And of course, you can text us back. We respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media. Uh, this is especially important for you if you want to get involved in something we're doing next week. It got moved. It's next Tuesday. Uh, we're doing a Zoom call about Baker Mayfield, uh, what we expect from him in 2020, where he's been, and what we kind of think he can do in year number three. So you can get involved in that if you sign up for Football Insider and start that 14-day free trial. If you want more information and to start your trial, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. You can also text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Now back to the show. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby alongside Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, Mary Kay, let's get to some more texter questions. Uh, this first one, Gary in Arizona is wondering why Donovan Peoples-Jones, who we mentioned earlier, wasn't in Texas with Baker Mayfield and the other receivers uh, working out. He is a guy that has a lot to prove. Maybe getting that jump start with Baker would be helpful, uh, but he, he wasn't there. Do you know why that is? Well, there were two things at play here. Baker Mayfield told us on his conference call last week, his Zoom call that we did with him, that they really didn't want the rookies to come in because they didn't want to overwhelm them. Uh, these guys have been getting the installs and they're learning the offense. And I just don't think that they wanted to put too much on the plates of the rookies. So that was probably the number one thing is they, they didn't really ask the rookies to come down. The other thing is uh, he's working out at Barwis performance center in Deerfield Beach Florida he's been working out there since before the draft and he also met Jarvis Landry there that's where Jarvis Landry works out and those guys have made a little bit of a connection and uh, and I think that's working very nicely it wasn't really planned that way but nevertheless they're getting to know each other a little bit okay uh, another question here um Let's talk salary cap. Who doesn't love to talk salary cap, right? From the 802 area code, can you describe the workings of the cap and how comp picks are gained? Uh, even if the Browns are leaving cap space open for guys like Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, why wouldn't they use up a lot of it on one-year deals, uh, veteran guards or linebackers, knowing it would come back next year? So let's start with the comp picks, Mary Kay, because you've kind of been beating this drum here uh, on these podcasts, especially when it comes to the one-year deals the Browns have signed on defense. Uh, it, real quickly, give us that explainer on comp picks. Well, just in its simplest form, uh, these one-year deals that they have signed, if they lose these players in free agency, they will then get compensatory picks the following year. And that would come at a time. And so that's why Andrew Barry has been just signing these up, guys up, just like collecting one-year deals 
uh, to plan for future draft capital. It's a very analytics-driven strategy that they are operating here. Uh, so basically what happens is they, get, they will get a compensatory pick if they lose these guys in free agency. And again, coming at a time when they're going to need some lower-priced guys on the roster because they're going to have big paydays for Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Baker Mayfield, and some of these other players, they're going to need that back end of the roster uh, with, with younger guys, develop, developmental players. Yeah, and then as far as the cap itself is concerned, and I wrote a little bit about this because we get asked this uh, a fair amount from our texters and also through email. Now, why do the Browns still have so much cap space? And the answer is really just kind of how their roster is constructed. You know, a few years ago, they just got rid of a bunch of expensive guys and they added a bunch of draft picks and this team has spent money. I mean, there, you can't look at what this team has done and say they haven't spent. Uh, they've added big money guys. Uh, they've extended guys like J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio. But just because they went so young a few years ago and they're counting on so many draft picks, these guys are still on their rookie contracts. And that kind of locks guys in. You can't even negotiate an extension until after year three. So you look at guys like Baker and Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb, they, they can't even talk about an extension yet. It's only Miles Garrett and David Njoku at this point. Um, you know, and, and they haven't drafted guys, too. I, I kind of went back and looked at this. They just haven't drafted guys, especially in the first round, that have been worth extensions. Bill Taylor, before they picked up these, uh, these first-year or these fifth-year options on Garrett and Njoku, he was the, first home, the last homegrown guy that they did it for. Um, so, you know, obviously Corey Coleman wasn't going to get an extension here. Danny Shelton, Cam Irving, those guys are all two teams removed from the Browns at this point. So they have a lot of money, but it's not for lack of spending. And then, you know, I, I think their philosophy too, when you talk about those one-year deals, they're not going to just go get guys to get guys. They're going to get guys who fit and they're going to get guys who really belong in, in this scheme on both sides of the football. Um, you know, we've talked about Clay Matthews and, and whether he, fits with this defense you know a lot of fans why haven't you signed Clay Matthews I think we talked a couple weeks ago maybe he's just not the right fit for this team they're not going to force uh, those square pegs in, into round holes that's really this seems to be this front office's philosophy even when they do spend money yeah and the other thing about the cap is the fact that they are uh, they are showing what they're willing to spend their money on right. uh, they are allocating the, their resources to either protecting the quarterback or supporting the quarterback in some way uh, in terms of uh, skill players or left tackles, right tackles. They're protecting and supporting the quarterback or they're trying to get to the quarterback on the other side of the ball. So that's why they're willing to spend uh, that kind of money on Olivier Vernon. And that is why they're spending uh, money on, you know, even Adrian Claiborne. Now that's a, not a, a large amount of money, but that's why they're interested in a Jadavian Clowney. And who knows, conceivably, maybe they could even end up with Olivier Vernon and Jadavian Clowney on the roster this year because they're willing to spend the money to disrupt the opposing quarterback. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, Claiborne, like you said, it's not a lot of money, but it was a rare two-year deal. And he's a guy in his 30s. So, I mean, it, it tells you a little bit uh, about what they value uh, there. Okay, another question here about uh, mini camps, because obviously the NFL is, is slowly starting to open up team facilities. Coaches uh, are coming back. Uh, we're, we're getting to the point where these facilities are going to be open, but there is a hard deadline on this, Mary Kay. The end of June, I believe it's June 26th, is when that off-season program has to end. Uh, so the question here is, Will we see any sort of mini camp 
uh, before before that deadline, or is the next time we see these guys on the field going to be in training camp? Well, there's a very, very tight window. If they're going to get these guys on the field, into the building and out on the field in any way, shape, or form, it's going to have to happen between mid-June and that hard stop, which J.C. Treader, president of the NFLPA, has called it, on June 26th. So from about June 13th to June 26th, a period of almost about two weeks, uh, if there's some way that they can get all the states to agree on this and get the players back in the building uh, in some, some way, shape, or form, perhaps they can get some guys out on the football field. It seems like a long shot to me. It's such a small window of opportunity. And again, they've got to get all the states to be compliant in this. And there are some that are not opening up facilities yet and that are just, they're not there yet. Uh, I don't even think Seattle is to the point where, I don't think Washington is to the point where they would be allowed to have their coaches back in the building this week. So therefore, if they can't do it, then the Browns can't have Kevin Stefanski back in the building. And as we know, Roger Goodell is very intent on getting those players back and having them, you know, reconvene and just kind of just sort of hit the reset button before they go off for their, you know, their next month or so before training camp. So I don't know. To me, it seems like a long shot, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's hard for me to see teams even, even if the option is out there, it's hard for me to see teams being willing to say, yeah, we're going to fly guys in from all over the country for a three-day mini camp. Um, I, I think maybe the more realistic thing is maybe a rookie mini camp of some kind. Maybe, maybe you're able to bring all the rookies in, and uh, that's obviously a smaller group of players. Maybe you can bring those guys in, get them acclimated to the facility a little bit and how you want to do things. Uh, but I think it's really hard to say, all right, 90 guys, we want you all to come into Ohio, and we're going to have a three-day – maybe they make it a four-day camp. I don't know, whatever it would be. We're going to fly all of you in. And we're going to have a mini camp. I, I think that would be really hard for some of these teams to pull off. And I don't know if the Browns would be one of them, but I think you'd see a lot of teams. I mean, the Saints didn't even bother with their offseason program this year. You might just see a lot of teams say, thanks, NFL, but, but no thanks. Yeah, and you know, or the other thing is maybe they try to do some sort of a limited passing camp, which yeah. is – Part of what Baker was trying to do uh, down in Austin, but they, I think they only had about nine guys. So, you know, maybe you do something like that where you can spread them out and you can have some social distancing. If you have guys, you know, running routes and you're, you're throwing the football to them. So, you know, maybe something like that can happen and they can start to, to install that offense a little bit, because I think it's harder to do that than it is to, to get those defensive guys where you need them to be. So who knows? We'll have to see over the next couple of weeks how this shakes out. Maybe they can bring back, uh, what was it, quarterback school? Didn't yes. They part of the off-season program that was, that was quarterback school? Yes. Yes, quarterback school. <laughs> that would we, be need, we need to bring back quarterback school, whatever that was. I don't even remember what that was. but uh, I don't either. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, there was a part of the program called off, uh, quarterback school. All right. Thanks to our Football Insider subscribers for all of those questions. And, of course, make sure you get subscribed. Um, so that you can be uh, a part of, of this next week. And then, of course, we also have that Baker Mayfield Zoom call, which I think is going to be really interesting. That's coming up next week. And you want to get involved in that, that your free trial. If you sign up and get your free trial, uh, you'll get to jump in on that and see if Football Insider is for you. And also make sure you are subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, leave, leave us good ratings, leave us good reviews. Uh, for Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.